Hello and welcome back to another TDAP episode. Uh, we appreciate you guys not bombarding us for last week. I failed to read last week. It's on my own. I just got too lazy um, and completely forgot. and just didn't read uh, the section. So apologize for that. It wasn't Chip's fault. I gave it to him at like midnight before the day we were supposed to record. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Uh, We've done worse, so I can't really say that's all your fault. And I've definitely done worse in terms of like giving you sections, so I really can't say, really can't blame it on Armin. I, I do uh, think the podcast is better when you're in control. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> no, just, okay. in ge- <laughs> just in terms of like the the coordinating stuff. <laughs> you know, that's okay. It's, I find that funny because I don't know if I'm that much coordinated. Or like, if I organize a lot. I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. Maybe I actually... You know what? I take that back. I actually pretty am. I organize poker nights. I organize... You, organ- yeah, you are I the organizer. Of, uh, you are the organizer yeah. of the group. I'm just along for the rants. Like... <laughs> I, I think... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I do organize. Maybe it's just to force you guys just to do shit. No, we appreciate it. No, remember, remember, I'm an antisocial fuck. I appreciate it when other people organize things because I don't like to do it. And if it's left up to me, I most likely won't do it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Arvin, how you doing, bud? Doing all right. It's, it was a long ass week. We are here now. There's a lot going on. Um, Good. This is going out what Wednesday, so. Hope everybody enjoyed their Valentine's Day last week. Or if you're yes. like me, ardently didn't enjoy it. Valentine's could have been that hard for you. <laughs> I mean, practically no. I think I just, I'm about to out myself hardcore here. I'm pretty sure I wrote an essay. Yeah, I had an essay due that night. That's what I was doing. I went to rehearsal and I wrote an essay. That's. <laughs> hey, I uh, worked that night, so. Fair. I was bartending, yeah. slinging drinks. Fuck all of that. Anyway, <laughs> we're doing all right. We are very happy y'all are joining us again. Um, as Chip mentioned, we had a, a brief hiatus for a week. We are back. Yeah, we are. And now we're back. We're starting book eight. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that means we got this book and then two more after that. Uh, in terms of what we'll do for the Rangers Apprentice series. Um, I know we've talked about it mainly a lot during the end of our podcast. So if you choose to not listen to the end of our podcast, go back and listen to the end of our podcast because that's where we give like all the details about what might be occurring in our podcast. Just FYI. Uh, but yeah, so we start with book eight here. Um, any major life updates for you? Nah. Cool. Uh, I am mad that Mahomes won the Super Bowl. Uh, more so, here's the thing. I'm mad the Chiefs won because it was a good game. Not it, because I wanted admit. the 49ers, yeah. I, I wanted the 49ers to win. It's just, it was a good game. And I honestly thought the, like, the Chiefs were just gonna like blow the 49ers out the wall. Really? I, that's what I thought. And then, mm-hmm. not like, not like blow them out, but I didn't see them losing until the fourth quarter. Right? Like, I, I didn't see them ever Fair. Being like that down until the fourth. Like, I thought them to be ahead. I thought it'd be a game, but it was like the 49ers were always playing catch up, not the other way around. That's a fair point. Um, I really don't like the Chiefs. I'm also really not a fan of Mahomes. Um, I, I, I will say I, I do like the Kelseys. Um, I listen to New Heights, their, their podcast, okay. uh, every now and then. Pretty fun. Um, I've yet to listen to any of those podcasts, it's like the Manning Brothers or this mm-hmm. one. Like, I've yet to listen to any of those. I've only caught some like snippets of, of the New Heights one, and, and they okay. they have a good time. Uh, they're good hosts, but yeah, I wasn't overly invest like overly invested. I did like it was an entertaining game. I mean, come on, double overtime. Oh, I was yeah. mostly having fun with either all of the people in my life that I knew don't watch football watching solely for Taylor Swift or all the people in my life that do watch football freaking out that Taylor Swift had some, I used the heaviest air quotes possible here involvement. <laughs> I found it so funny with everybody freaking out over 
the like thirty seconds of airtime <laughs> that she got. <laughs> true, true. I, I will say this: if there's anyone you want to have the ball in overtime, it's going to be Mahomes. Like you got to give it to him. You do. No, I good can't game. can't deny his, his talent. Can't deny his ability. Yeah. So I respect but, him. Just don't like him. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Same, same, same. Uh, but that's all really that we have. Um, so we're gonna jump into this book. Oh yeah, feet. We're gonna jump in. We're gonna jump in right arm first, not feet first or head first. Right arm first, sideways. What does that even mean? I don't know. I just tried it out. I don't think I like it that much. <laughs> this is gonna be a fairly short one, y'all. This is mostly exposition. Yeah. I, I tried to get it all. I tried to knock out all of the exposition in one go. Which is why oh, I handed Chip ninety pages. <laughs> if anyone knows this, especially like FCA fans, like he follows over from FCA. Oh yeah, you know yeah. that I started us off at like thirty pages max. Yes, which was rough because those books are big. We were going so slow, and we're going bi-weekly, so it was even worse. Yeah, it was a major um, drag. So much of a drag that Paulini pointed out that it was a drag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we upped it to every week, still thirty pages, still kind of a drag. Then we like, and then I kind of like realized that like pages, he did very good at like kind of like making his big events kind of occur around ninety-ish pages, or sorry, around fifty-ish pages. So he kept around fifty to sixty. Here, Armin is just slinging me a ninety-page starter for the new book, and I'm like, oh god. In my, defense. I will say this: uh, my notes are as if it was like a thirty-page section. I'll yeah. say that. In my defense, Flanagan's writing is a lot less dense than Paolini's. It's a lot easier to read. It's a lot quicker to read. It flows a lot faster. <laughs> everything True. about like reading Rangers Apprentice is faster. Like everything, like the yes. style, the reading level, just the difficulty of it. It is a lot easier and it goes a lot faster. That doesn't change the fact that it was ninety pages. I do apologize. Pretty much, but. <laughs> Talk about the reading. Let's start off with chapter one. I honestly have no idea what this situation is. Because it starts off with these raiders raiding this small village out in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. Yes. You know? Um, very violent start to the book here, by the way. Just murdering the men, the women, the children, just anyone in sight. Burning down things. Very, very fierce. Uh, chapter one is just a, a raid at the end of the day. That's all chapter one is. It's this group, these raiders come in and they raid this village. Uh, we, we get a moment where they're inside one of the houses or they start chowing down, you know, and one of them hears the sound in another room. He goes to it and there's a woman and two children that are there trying to dig their way out. Uh, the woman sees the dude. And she makes her sure she makes sure her children can get out. Um, and the dude lets them because uh, I I think he understands that you know he wants to be able to spread the news that their town got raided, and I don't think he really cared to kill the children. In hopes is my hope, I guess. And there's a little bit of kindness in that heart somewhere, maybe potentially. Um, but we do have this one thing where. As the children are running, there's a dude in the forest watching these children run, and he has a small smile upon him mm. where he's just like, yes, go spread the news. Creepy shit. Uh, I, I, I cue the evil laugh here. Uh, cue the dramatic music, I think. Um, the very, like, this is, this, is, this is the scene I see for some reason in my head. The raid occurs. These children run off. We we kind of like pan pan over to the woods, and we see the eyes, and we hear the evil laugh, and then <laughs> big drums, and then we get like an eagle's view over the forest and like over the sea landscape. That's for some reason the whole entire like visual I have in that last in that, in that last. <laughs> Start your career in screenwriting. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Um. But no, no, no. It, it was a good, it was an interesting start. I, I was not ready for that. I'm not gonna lie. 
does that chapter one. I, I like it when authors throw complete curveball at you in the beginning. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. Book one started with Morgareth in the woods, or is that just like a prologue? The book prologue one? of book one was Morgareth, but there wasn't really any violence there. Right, okay. So we did have a non important scene, I can I don't know how to say it, but like not relatable, yeah. like complete related relation to it. Yeah. Um, things like foreshadowing they'll relate back. You know? Yeah. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is in the city of Clomnell. Clomnell. Or Clom Clonmel. Yes, Clonmel. Clonmel? Okay. Clon Clonmel. Or Clonmel, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pronounce, mispronounce that a lot, a bunch, guys. Um, so apologize. Well, the, the book is, uh, you know, the Kings of Clonmel. I know, it's gonna be really annoying. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're gonna go, uh, we're gonna skip, no, skip, but we're gonna go to chapter two now. Um, I really enjoy this little meeting. I, like, I love how Flanagan's bringing back, you know, the gathering again. I love how this is still like an occurrence that's occurring in the books later on. Um, because I think it was a great it's a it's a great environment, I think. I think it's a really cool environment. It's a great scene. It's a great as we talked about, this is a great exposition of everything that we're gonna set up for for this book. Um and yeah. the way to start it off. Uh Will is traveling down the road to the gathering of all the Rangers. Uh he sees Gillen off in the distance. And they meet up, and they were going to plan to wait for Holt, but it's long past Holt's time to be there, which I feel like as a ranger, a long time past could be like a minute, instead of like 30 minutes, like <laughs> you and I think. Uh, especially for Holt. And so they decide to go ahead and head into the gathering um, circle. Uh, and thank goodness they did, because Crowley uh, sneaks up on them. Which I thought Gillen was the master of movement. Is Crowley the master of movement? Oh, Gillen is a master of unseen movement, but they're all rangers. They're all masters of it. Uh, and goodness, thank goodness they uh, did not um, did not wait because as we get Crowley here, fills us in that Holt's out there just chasing off the uh, JWs. Uh, and if you don't know what JW stands for, people, it's the Jehovah Witnesses <laughs> that knock on your door asking you if you want to talk about your Lord and Savior. Uh, don't forget his name. <laughs> don't don't forget it. But point is, is that <laughs> Holt is not there. And he is off doing a different job. He's sitting out on a different job. Yes. Um, and so they're like, okay, uh, and I didn't, in all honesty, I didn't think much of it. I just think, it was like, okay, cool. Ranger's a ranger. He has a job he has to do. He's not able to make it to the gathering. It's a shame. But duty calls, you gotta go. Um, they kind of ask a little bit more about what the deal is. Um, don't worry, guys. They're not called JWs. They're called the Outsiders. Or the group in the past was called the Outsiders. Um, which, by the way, great book. If you haven't read it, read The Outsiders. Phenomenal book. Um, forget who wrote it, but I don't book. think I've read it. Really? Yeah. You, know where, you have to read that in school? Mm -hmm. I didn't read it like in middle school. It's like about greasers and like there's like Pony Boy and there's No, no, I didn't have to read that. <sighs> Dang. Well, it's a good book. You should read it. It's a mm -hmm. show about easy read. That's an easy read. Just say. Uh, but point is is there's this other their group that they, they did have to deal with. They kind of dig in a little bit and ask Crowley what the situation is. Crowley is describing how there is word that there's this group of people that are coming in saying that uh, trying to spread the religion, and if they don't adapt to the religion, bad things will occur to that town. Um, when in reality, bad things will occur to the town because that group is also organizing the bad things to occur to that town. Yeah, um, it's a very inside job situation. Um, but uh, we learn about the how years back, um, he mentions the Outsiders, Gillen recognizes it, um, and it's about a story, or about the situation was, you know, they were so, and I, uh, they were so rooted in most of these villages that it took the Rangers some time to get out, get them out of this situation. And Will mentions one of the phrases, I think it's a really cool phrase, he mentions... One Badass. ranger, one ri riot, or is it one riot, one ranger? Yeah, it's one riot, it one ranger. Oh, it's a badass phrase. Right 
I loved it. <laughs> because it just goes to show how much power a ranger can have in a situation. And we've seen it, right? We've we've seen it multiple times in situations where clearly, you know, even Will alone before he got his uh, his oak leaf and, you know, and when he did have the oak leaf, he was dealing with the um, Malcolm and having to deal with the castle and everything like that. He he shows that he can handle a situation. Yeah. Um, which I think is really cool. But as we move forward, um, Chloe then looks at Will and he's like, hey, do you want to assess the first year's trainings? Um, which I think is kind of cool. And also, I think it's a really good way to show one time pass and two growth of a character. Growth of like, like a character development. That's what I'm saying. Um, Absolutely. It's also a good mark of Crowley because he can read that Will is worried and his mind's on other things. So he gives him something to some task, some other priority to take his mind off of it. Like that's really just good leadership is understanding exactly. the strengths and the weaknesses of your, uh, of the people that you're leading and not using them to exploit them or to go to them, but understanding how to get them past, like how to help them work past each like individual challenge. Exactly. Um, and at the end of that, Crowley decides to keep some, we get a little snippet of something's obviously in the back of Crowley's mind. He's decided to keep his mouth shut, um, about something, uh, at the time. Uh, Chapter three, um, we get a, we get finally a time of reference to when this, this book is taking place. It's taking roughly a year after book six. Um, yes. So about a year after he saved the castle, after he was in, you know, he went to Seacliff. So he's been at Seacliff for, you know, about a year, um, after, you know, in doing his own duties and that, um, thief. Uh, but we finally get a, Time records, I guess. Um, I love how, and I think you and I would do this too. If we're ever put into a teaching situation or coaching situation or whatever, and I think anyone really does this, we will draw everything that we enjoyed and might have like just always got accustomed to from our own coaches and teachers and mentors. Absolutely. That will is currently happening right now, right? Um, I can think personally as a good Eagle Scout, I can think many times when I was younger and the older scouts were teaching me how to do things and how to interact or how to, you know, prepare something or tie a knot or did a, I remember all of those teachings and I remember taking from those teachings when it was my turn to, you know, help the younger scouts learn their own, uh, own, own way. Um, Absolutely. And I always, I always find that really funny too because once you like if you can look at yourself coaching because like I think in the moment we don't think about it but if you look at yourself like if you take like a glance back at yourself and then you're like oh wait no that's what this dude did when I was like yep. doing so you know like yep. it's like, what, like that's what my brother did or like that's that's what this guy did you know or more commonly in life that's what my dad did <laughs> yeah very much yeah. Uh, it's it's always those things that we go back to, um, or my coach did that when I was you know training. It's it's always the funny thing and all the things that do that. Um, and it has nothing to do with not only has nothing. It doesn't have all to do with you mentoring or coaching someone. Ivan and I walk through life, and there are many times when he and I both think about it, and we're both probably stubbornly don't want to believe it and want to know that it. And if it's strongly stubbornly don't want to accept it. But there are Bingo. things that our dads do that we do where we're like, did I really just do that? Like, does that, did I just do that? Trust me, they occur to me like every other day or so. Yeah. And I think it <laughs> appears, it becomes more apparent, but a bunch when you are older. I'm honestly impressed. I'll give you that one. That was pretty good. Thanks. That was, no, that was respectable. That was, that was a pretty good part. That that was that had a certain that had a good level of quality to it. That was nice. Thanks, man. <laughs> don't expect any more ever in this podcast. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, is that when you're older and you're becoming, especially once you leave the house, 
you like always just kind of go into his routine and stuff. Like for me, I remember Christ always checking to make sure all the lights are off, all the doors are locked, you know? And so wherever I am, even when I'm sleeping over at like Armin's house, for some reason I will still get up and like I'll walk to each door and like make sure they're locked before I lay down on the couch and pass out or something. Like it doesn't matter. Also, or house or whatever. also what my dad does. Yep. Yeah. It's just, it, and so I guess there's the small things that, that occur. Um, which I think that was a pretty normal thing that people do. I'm not saying that's just like the thing, but like I relate that to Christ because I always remember him doing that. Um, but point the saying is Will is now coaching and teaching these boys now. Um, he's going through assessments basically uh, through shooting, a little bit of combat, and tactical um, analysis, right, at the end of the day? I loved the setup of the tactical thinking. It, it's just a big shout. It, it's a throwback to Will's harebrained scheme to retake Castle McIntyre back in 5 and yes. 6. And he says <laughs> Gillen knew exactly what was going on, and he knew yes. that Crowley had printed out the brief of Will's actions at McIntyre and used them as like a guide for all the other rangers, and Will was the only person in the corpse that didn't know that. <laughs> didn't even get one. Like, everyone yep. got one. He didn't even get one. Crowley made sure to give everyone that, that docket, except for Will, which is just a whole level of fuckery that I just appreciate the hell out of. <laughs> I did too. I yeah, did too. We've got some throwbacks to Castle Mackinac, and that's that's honestly about it for chapter, for chapter three. Remember, we have nine more of these. Um, <laughs> to, to get through. <laughs> um, so hold on, so, so we get to hold. He's scouting out these uh, this lands. He's looking for the outsiders. Um, he's uh, because he, uh, you know, I don't know how they got the news, but Rangers get news because Rangers are Rangers, and Rangers know everything and anything. Um, and sure enough, they are the ones doing the dirty work right now. He's watching it happen. He's seeing them do the exact same thing they did years ago. Um, yeah. uh, and that is, and Halt is able to not only recognize what they're doing, he also is able to find where their camp is and who the leader is and like what is actually occurring. And so he's actually like, his assessment of the situation is so good that he's able to deal with it accordingly which we'll get to later, but that's where we're at at the end of chapter four. We learned that he not only finds them and knows them, he also figures out it's where they're camping and it's going to deal with the situation. Yeah. Um, chapter five, we're back to, back to Will. Uh, I love this scene where Nick, they're presenting their cases and Nick straight up goes, um, I'm going to recruit the Scandians. Just, <laughs> Straight up, he's just like, I'm going to recruit the Scandians. And, and Will is just like, wait, what? Where are the Scandians? Like, he flips and like, I don't think, I still don't think he clicks that what Crowley did. <laughs> and I love it. And like, Nick tries to argue, and I'll say this, he does give a good argument. He's like, look, you did it. Like it clearly worked. Why can't we do it? And, he's like, and Will counters also just as well. He's like, "Yeah, we're already friends, though. <laughs> they were actually a part of the area. It's not like you're your. You can't manifest it, right? You can't just say, I want to have a thousand Scandians, and here they are. You know, if you said that, you might as well just say <laughs> the castle is safe. Um. So Will does a really good job of just breaking down the things that are right in front of us, in terms for the boys at least, and being able to like explain every little thing and give them the softest nudge in the right direction. <laughs> and the boys are fucking with him. <laughs> oh yeah. Is it Stuart, what is it, Stuart, Nick, and Liam? Because, <laughs> you know, just saying, we, we used our imaginations to imagine that the Scandians were there. And Will is just trying to hold it together and just tell them that they can't. They have to like work within <laughs> within the parameters of it. It's just it's a great reflection of Will going from being that boy, being that. But why can't I do X, Y, Z? 
to having the shoe on the other foot and understanding where Hulk came from. I'll say this. There have been many times when I've busted in to Armin's house and into his room, and I've probably explained things like I've ex- like the boys are trying to explain it to just justify oh, the facts. most idiotic things ever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And 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 here's the here's the crazy thing. That's not so crazy. Armin's brother's ten times worse oh, than I yeah. am at that. Now now he does it just in a moral sense. Like how do I do it? To be honest, you you don't really do it that much. It's just, you know Not anymore. Not anymore. There were times, you know, when you walked in and asked for zip ties for the spoke of your truck <laughs> that it rusted off. It looked, man. It worked. I don't know how. But yeah, there's times like that where you like you you do it more trust me it'll work. He does it more trust me it's not that bad. <laughs> True. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's been and some. And I'll time say this, it. guys. I'll say this. I think I think I have a seventy five percent chance is there seventy five percent success rate for most of my trust me it'll work moments. That depends on your definition of work. If you mean perform the most basic function possible, yeah, I'll give it to you. It's amazing that the zip ties, it's amazing that the zip ties and the spoke were one of the things, one of the longest lasting things that stayed together on that truck. (laughs) That truck was... I'm honestly amazed that the zip ties outlasted the engine. I'm not. Plastic, and it's the truck's engine <laughs> on a, a loose spoke, spoke with no bolts. <laughs> it did the job. It held whatever it needs to place. Any, anyway, guys, <laughs> these boys are testing Will's patience, just like I test Armin sometimes. Um. <laughs> I've had my moments too. <laughs> yeah, much farther and fewer and in between. Than I'm also a lot less fun. <laughs> you can't even sing the was the Miley Cyrus which is like it's like used to be young then or something. It's like I used to be crazy and wild, but I it's because I used to be young. Was that a song at first? I have no idea. I think I'm sort of the opposite. I think I've gotten more interesting as I've gotten older. I think you've just been able to, you know, be oh, you as you got older. <laughs> so, I think, yeah. Yeah. I no, think that's, that's it. <laughs> that's not to say you're not interesting. I don't mean that. I was <laughs> about to say, you could, if, if you looked at that a different way, it could turn that into a savage insult. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like he's gonna be you, and that sucks, man. I'm just, like, why would you want to be that? Gosh. Anyway, <sighs> anyway, we move back to Halt in chapter six, where Halt is. Hold on, oh, before okay. we get there, before we get there, before we. Get there. Um, at the ending of chapter five, Will does. Will Crowley Crowley acknowledges that Will's a good teacher. And Crowley also is like, look, I do have other plans for you. And we don't know what those are yet, obviously, but... I mean... I just want to make sure those were... We did it should have been pretty those. obvious I mean, that do, he was going to go help Hall. Yes, that's what I assumed, but I didn't assume all the other little stuff, though. Uh, back to six. Hall was doing ranger things. Um, make sure the outsiders are not able to burn down the boats. Uh, He's in a small pickle, guys. Like, this is the first time I've ever seen Hulk really in a situation. Like, not like I'm not saying he hasn't been in situations. He's been in many situations. But what I mean is that, like, he's actually, like, not sure if he'll get out of the situation situation. Which is kind of impressive for Hulk to be in one of those kind of situations. Yeah. Um... That's really chapter six. He's able to save the boats, make sure all the fishers or boats are still good. And then he's running and they're chasing after him, not only with their own foot, but they have these dogs that are like, I, what I see are like hellhounds from like Call of Duty zombies. 
by just chasing after them. I don't know. Maybe not that dramatic, but, <laughs> but fair. No, but that's the intensity of fair. it. If you guys ever played, if if you if you're listening, if you played the Call of Duty Black, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Two zombies with the Hellhounds, you know as soon as they come out, you are looking everywhere around you to find those dogs because yeah, you can fair. deal with the zombies, but those dogs they get you like once and you're done. That is very it. fair. Uh, chapter seven, uh, we get the new uh, the new apprentices are now a part of the core. Uh, what I mean by that is that the rangers that had been there for in the apprenticeships for five years are now being admitted in. Um, I love how not only does that occur, we also get the detail about how other rangers take the first years, the third years, and the fourth year like apprentices away from the mm-hmm. circle. Yeah. Um, it's a small detail that is still making sure that you know we stick to the traditions that would like when Will got his, right? So, we talked about how, you know, the whole initiation where Curly comes in doesn't make a big deal of it, which we got to see at the end of book seven. Um, we got, you know, and we get to see the whole spiel of Crowley's. There's like, oh yeah, and it just kind of like makes it not a big deal, but then everyone celebrates um, later. We get that whole spiel and everyone, I, I love it because it's just a good reminiscent moment for Will also to have because he's like, I remember this as if it was yesterday. Yeah. Please. I also found it sort of Fun that um, Will is the only in his class or like his own type. You know, like there's a couple years between him okay, and the I was, others. I, I, I am too, but also not. And the reason I say that is because if you have fifty feet, yeah. right, and not every one's going to be retiring. You can't have a new person every oh, absolutely. year. Absolutely, yeah. You know, you can't even have multiple people every year because as we run into the situation, there's not enough room for everyone, like not enough room for everyone to go around anyway. Yeah. So I'm not, I guess it is kind of like surprising that he's like the only person in his class in a sense. But at the same time, the more I thought about it, I was like, I guess it makes sense. No, it's fair. It's, it's fair. Um, everyone's had a good time eating, drinking. Um, now, at the end of their feast, uh, this is when Crowley gets up and very much like Albus Dumbledore at the end of the, you know, opening meal, he gives all the rules and all the fun information that everyone needs to have. And so this, sorry, this situation is Crowley giving all the reassignments. Um, and I wrote these down, uh, in terms of what is going to happen. And in my head, I was curious as if Will is going to leave his feast. And I wasn't exactly sure where, but that's my thought process at the moment. Um, I, I see. So the way it worked is the one who retired from Whitby, Gillen got. Yes. As Gillen leaves Norgate, Harrison got Norgate. And who's leaving, uh, sorry, hold on, um, leaving Coldale. And Coldale goes to one of the new Rangers, Skinner. Um, so Will at this moment is, a little bit sad because he didn't get out of the sea cliff when he, because it's just really boring there for him. Um, but he, it, but, and also the other new ranger doesn't have a beef. I forget the other guy's name. Um, but the other new ranger being admitted in, getting his new silver oak leaf is being stationed with Crowley to, um, be like an assistant in a yeah. sense. Um, But as everyone's celebrating, and the biggest thing is that, and I love this moment too, when Gillen gets his assignment, Will hugs him and goes, I'm happy for you. And it made me even happier to read it that he was, he meant yeah, it. Yeah. Like that moment where he's like, and he actually meant it too. It was really touching. I don't know. It felt touching to me. Uh, because that was really cool to have that, you know, be me. Because there have definitely been times, I know for me, when I've celebrated or like congratulated someone, and I'm just like, I know I don't really mean it, but I know it's what I need yeah. to say. And I like should be happy for you, but I don't mean it. Like I think we've all had those situations, but it's really like it's really sweet and it's really good friendship here too to show that he does mean it. Um, but as he's congratulating everyone's eating, Crowley comes over, puts a hand on Will. He's like, "Yo, we gotta talk, bro." And we go back to Holt in chapter eight. <laughs> I was like, "Dang it! <laughs> what does Holt? What does Crowley have?" And yes, I did know that he's gonna go to go to Holt. But I don't think Crowley would make such a big deal of it. 
if it was just this one little thing. You know, like it was just like sending him off to go belt, personally. Um, Holt is waiting out the scene, uh, in the, like up in the rocks to see what to do next. Uh, stuck on the other side, uh, the outsiders there, uh, with his desk. I stuck on one side, the outsiders in the middle of him and where he wants to go, uh, is the situation he's at. He's on top of, like, if correct me if I'm wrong, he's like on the cliff side, and the outsiders are between him and, like, inland where he was trying to go in terms of escaping. Um, and he's gonna stay the night, uh, he's gonna go and go to sleep. Uh, chapter 9. Crowley is a little bit, uh, proud of himself for having such a genius plan. <laughs> uh, very, very Crowley. And his genius plan, yep, and his genius plan is, uh, he wants to make a, and Duncan and him, King Duncan, and him make one a, uh, like a special force team, basically. Uh, and what that means is that it would be Holtz, Will, and Horace as their special teams that would deal with events outside of their borders. Foreign policies, basically, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I think this is actually kind of cool, especially, and this makes me even, and I think I, I would believe that Flanagan had this kind of written out, and that's why he also wanted to go back behind book five and six to have another situation to help submit the idea of where Crowley is getting this idea to make a team like this. Um, in terms of the situations that Will has been in with Horace and Evelyn and Holt. Uh, but point is, is that Will is going to be able to return back to Redmont. Um, he's going to stay in the cabin because Will is now comfortable with Halene in the castle. Um, which means that he'll be close to Alice again. Uh, whenever needed, him, uh, Will Holt and Will are going to split Redmont. And Horace, but whenever needed, uh, Holt, Will, and Horace are going to be I, I'm going to say the simplest way I know how to say it, deployed to wherever they're needed. And because Gillen's fief is right above Redmont, Gillen's going to be able to come down and take over what's needed during the time elapsed. The guy who retired is going to stay in Whitby uh, fief, and I think in one of the castles there, and be able to do ranger duties whenever it's needed when Gillen needs to go to uh, fief Redmont. Yeah. It, it all... Works and all the moving pieces work out in there. Yeah. It does. It does. That's a lot. And I just want to make sure I had it all right. I pretty good about yeah, that. you got it down. Um, but point is, is that Will is ecstatic. He, you know, he's at first because he like because probably doesn't man. He's like, look, I get that like Sea Cliff is fucking boring as hell. Um. Oh, and the other new guy's gonna go to Sea Cliff. Uh. And but it's like. What about going to Redmont? He's like, I know that means you have to leave your thing. And I love how, and again, I think this is one of the moments where Crowley purposely holds out that information (laughs) just to be like, oh, wait, did I not mention that? (laughs) He's like, oh, my bad. And this is one of those things where, like, it's very Crowley to do. Um, And so as soon as he says it, Will's like, heck, yeah, I'd definitely go back to Redmont. Um, But yeah, so that's our special force team that we learn about and we get in Chapter 9. Chapter 10, Holt waits uh, and senses that another person is around. So does his horse. Uh, and once that occurs, he is able to capture and uh, apprehend the dude. Uh, and it's an outsider. We learn that his name is Collie. Uh, he's a little cocky uh, at first, but, you know, Holt puts him in his place rather quickly. After he ties him up and, you know, he's like, starting to look, look, the situation's here. Uh, in the morning, you are going to either run up the cliff and then jump off the cliff into the water. You're going to run up the cliff and I shoot you and you fall into the water. Or you run down the cliff and I shoot you as you go down the cliff. And that's all the options that Hulk gave him. Um, that's pretty much chapter 10. Uh, in a nutshell, because it's just, again, this is very much exposition to a setup. Uh, chapter 11, Will's back at Redmont. And all is good. That is literally my two notes in chapter 11. <laughs> Will's back at Redmont. 
Always yeah. I will say this. They spent just a hair. Just a hair longer on the stable boy than I thought necessary. What do you mean? To overlook. I get that Will and Tug are very close. But when he goes and like Alice greets him and they go to stables and the stable boy is like, look, I can take care of him. They just spend one little, like just spend a little bit longer than just being Will just be like, then, so I think the stable boy had more to say than necessary and not pay attention to. And I think I'm over reading that, but like I'm reading way into it. But for some reason that just doesn't sit right because there's just a little bit too much information or too much time spent on the stable boy. No idea. Maybe it's just a friendly character, and that's all it is to it. And that's fine. But for me, it's just a little bit too much. I'm being very skeptical about this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's literally my chapter. Like the chapter notes for yeah, 11. It's World. a nice little home. We'll talk about Paul is good. Yeah. It is. Uh, and then we get to the moment like where I guess kind of exposition would end for him, where He's right at the doors to go talk to the Baron um, and all the situation. Yeah. Chapter 12. Uh, as we're wrapping up, Holt is... Uh, Holt's plan works. Cole, he... It, he Well, first on ties Cole, and then Cole tries to punch him. And Holt easily dodges and just knocks him back. He's like, just don't do that again. Like, idiot. Uh, I love how, I love how like, in the description, Flanagan's like, he chilly just knocks him back. He's just like, just don't do that again. <laughs> um, but the whole plan works. Coley runs up. Uh, and what, not only does he run up, Paul also has the great idea to make sure Coley is wearing his um, cloak and he takes Coley's uh, clothing. Uh, so that, you know, when the outsiders see him run, they do see the same cloak that Hulk was wearing. Uh, Hulk calls out saying that, you know, look, there he's off, he's running, da -da, he's going up the hill, and then he shoots one over Coley's head like he was telling him that he said he would, just to show that he can shoot. And then Coley jumps, and the outsiders do exactly what Hulk planned for. They go down the bank and around the corner, around the bend, to go find who they believe is Holt is actually Colin in the water. Um, and at that time, Holt is able to call his horse up. They go down. And instead of immediately leaving, Holt goes to the village. And this is where my hair pricks up like on the back of my neck, just like it's one of those moments that you read, you think about, you just, your hair, you, the hair on the back of your neck pricks up. He gets there. He sees the leader um, of the outsiders dealing with the head dude of the village talking about, you know, how you have to do X, Y, and Z, like things are attacking. He's like, look, we'll pray harder. We're doing this for your safety, trying to like make it make yeah. sense. You just need a little bit more funds. Will sorry, Will Hulk comes in, he's like, Yo, this fool is lying to you. Um, they're gonna steal all that gold later tonight. And the leader's like, How? It's the times, like they melted and made a statue. Will goes over, scratches it off. They just coated wood in some yep. gold. That's all they did. It was nothing. It was not a statue of gold. It's just wood covered. And not only what well, friends go back up just a slide here. When Holt walks in, the leader of the Outsiders goes, "Oh crap! What was his actions?" He goes, "You again? What are you doing here?" Is that yeah. what he says? Okay, and at the end of chapter 12, we get the last sentence of Holtz. He goes, what really got to him was when the dude said those words, he was kind of shell-shocked because he's never met the dude before. And that's where we end chapter 12. And that was such a cool ending. I loved it. Because I love those little Take moments. my bow? Just that's like, why you had to read 90 pages. <laughs> I know, 90 pages was rough, but it was worth it. <laughs> so worth it. But like I said, guys, a lot of exposition, not much to talk about here, other than just set up. Very happy that Will's able to go back to Redmont. I'm very curious to see what deal is with Holt is. Uh, I really hope that Will and Alice, like, 
I think Will and Alice being together is like kind of pretty much official, right? Uh, and I really hope to see that like Evelyn Horse are official, like Will and him become official. I also like going back to I also like the little snippet he asked about his other orphan yeah, baby, George right? and Jenny. Yes, I love how George is like the top lawyer, you know, <laughs> and I love how Jenny just like look. There's not enough room for both of us to be here, so she leaves and she goes to be a chef at an inn. And not only does she be a chef at the end, Chef Chubbs comes and visits yeah. her because he is so proud of her. And I love that because that's so cool. I think that's, I think that's sorry. So Master Chubb uh, has to be one of the best, Master Chubb. one of the most fitting names possible. Like, there is no better name for a good cook than Master Chubb. Like, I'm sorry. It's just perfect. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, like I said, a lot of exposition here. Not much else to say. We're I'm diving in. I I don't I I, I think it's fair to say that Will is going to go to Hulk, or at least at least when Hulk returns, they're going to go out and deal with it, whatever. But I, I I strongly believe like that's the next destination. I have no idea what this deal is in Club now. What occurring is with the writers there? Um, the title of the book, The Kings of Club now, I believe a lot of people, my friends, that I feel that whenever I read, you know, the kings of blank, da da da, it's not necessarily a true king or an actual king figure. It's more so just like the rulers, yeah. like you're thinking the bad of boys, uh, the big boys on campus, uh, you know, like oh, what's that mafia movie? It's got that name. No idea. The only mafia movies I know or think of are like The Godfather, Irishman, yeah. Goodfella, Scarface. Like, I think Kings of New York is a something along those oh, lines. Oh, that's it. Something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's definitely like a legit king. It's just the big baddest rulers in okay. Iraq. Um, so that's how I read the title. That's how I read it, especially with the image on the book. And for our book, or at least for my book, it's a mace. Um, mace and chain. You know... Yeah. Sorry, mace and chain. Uh, whereas, you know, if they said the king of the and there are crowns on the cover, I might think well, differently. That's fair. But taking that as a mace and chain, it's usually, I, I, would, I would assume, a little bit more brutish, yeah. you know, kind of figure. A couple notes on my um, One. Um, Flanagan yes. consistently develops more, except it's just a lot more subtle. You know how we've noticed a ton of very, like, big development in Paolini in this writing towards the end of the fourth book? Or, like, by the time we're getting to three, through end of three and four, you can really see the development there. Flanagan is developing, too. His style is a bit more consistent, um, and a bit smoother. But he's still, like, developing. So you can see, like, the longer term plots and the more deep like developments and the deeper tension and buildup is really starting like eight, nine and 10 are all much more drawn out than the really snappy, really quick, uh, first several. Um, okay. So, you know, I think Clonmel, like the King of Clonmel is by far the thickest, uh, in the stack so far. I think 10 is, is even thicker. Um, okay. But, so we're getting a bit more build up now and a bit more background, a bit we're just Flanagan's adding a bit more oomph to these. Um secondly. I noticed that in his description yeah. writing too. Um he's a little bit more he takes a little bit more time describing like the city and stuff like the layout. Yeah, he's started he he's adding a bit more detail and he, or he's figured out how to keep that level of detail with how fast paced everything is. So Flanagan is developing as a writer, it's just in a, a bit smaller ways. The other note, you know how we often do sort of the cultural breakdown, because Flanagan bases these off of uh, culturally. There's some references in, I think it's chapter four with Halt to Hibernia, which was old tongue for Ireland. Um, so uh, Clonmel is taking place in Flanagan's version of medieval Ireland. So Hibernia is Ireland. Um, or like that general... It's not quite as geopolitically as how it would look today, but yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So part of the medieval Ireland thing was one, the presence of the Catholic church, um, which I, 
I'll get your take on this later at the end of the book, and I need to reread this. But um, I always saw the Outsiders as a stand-in for the Catholic Church in Ireland. Um, not the, not the okay. Flanagan writes political writing. He strictly doesn't. But, um, and if you recall, Halt has some connections back there. He's referenced them a couple times throughout the series. That's about all the notes that I'll say. Uh, yeah, I remember him saying he's went across and he's like learned things from other yeah. people. I don't remember specifically what they were, but I do remember those things. Like I remember those mentions at least, yeah. where he's like gone and taught, or gone and learned, and like have other lessons. Or gone and stolen horses. Well, yes, <laughs> that's a lesson he taught. Not <laughs> fair, uh, fair point. Yeah, no, that, those just those two little two little brief things. So, you know, we just came from book seven down in what would be northern Africa, um, in the Sahara to what is now medieval Ireland. Not actual standards. Okay. Flanagan is very cool. adamant about these are not meant to accurately represent those cultures. They're just loosely based off. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I don't really have anything else to say. Um, Really excited. I, I I do. I did notice his style of writing changed. I didn't really understand what it was, uh, but I do enjoy the little bit more detail, the little bit more longevity of description, stuff like that. Um, and I love how it doesn't lose pace. Yeah. Though. I think he still keeps the same pace, which I enjoy. Um, but with that being said, guys, thank you again for listening. Uh, sorry we missed a week. Uh, and again, this is very much exposition, so hope we have a little bit more to talk to, to talk about next next section. Um, yeah, I don't think I have anything else to say. Armin? No, that's about all for me, too. As always, uh, thanks for y'all's patience. Reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. We'd love hearing from you. Um, aside from that, thank you for spending some time with us. Your support is always most appreciated. And, uh, yeah, take care, y'all. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to a Two Dudes and a Book podcast. Creators are Chip and Armin, and our music is done by Oscar Momento. Thank you, and have a great day.